Hey friend, motherhood gets hard. Entrepreneurship gets hard. But together, we can do hard things. This is the Mom CEO Suite. In the suite, there's no shade and no shaming. Just sharing and support so we can all thrive at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Felicia, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. Join me as I share my journey, challenges, and aha moments, along with the experiences and expertise of other modern-day moms in business. Welcome to the suite. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of the Mom CEO Suite podcast. So glad that you could join me. And we have another special guest with us today. Today with us is Messina Martin. She's a producer, author, workforce development and team operations expert and a mom of two boys. Her company, Hire Great Help, helps solopreneurs hire their first team of contractors and employees so they can build a multi-six-figure service-based business in 12 months. So, Sina, welcome to the suite. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So glad you could join us. So go ahead, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your business as well. Yeah, of course. So you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, I'm the CEO of Higher Great Help, Inc. And Higher Great Help is a workforce um, training and development company. We work with coaches, consultants, service-based businesses across multiple industries, basically helping them to um, make sure that they are growing their business in a way where people, the asset that's most important to the company is, um, it stays congruent. Everyone buys into the vision of the company and they fully understand how to, how to grow with a people-centered um, mindset. That encompasses everything that we do. We do it through a number of ways, workshops, training, coaching, um, coaching programs, as well as in-person and virtual workshops. Awesome. Awesome. And we're going to dig into your business a little bit more. But before we do that, I want to do a little fun exercise just so our guests can get to know you a little bit. So we're going to do our this or that round. So reality TV or documentaries? Oh, can I do 50-50? Because I have like many addictions to both. Uh, (laughs) Depending on the day, I'd say documentary. But if I was like chilling glass of wine, definitely reality. Same, same. I couldn't pick for myself. I'm like, I love documentaries, but I low-key love (laughs) So I get it. I get it. Okay. So start work late or leave work early? We'll leave work early. Yeah, for sure. Yes. It makes you feel like so much longer when you can get out early. Right. Okay. This is an important one now. People get real serious about this one. Team iPhone or Team Android. I was the one who went back. I was the one who had an iPhone all the years. And then, like, I went back to Android. And you'd have thought, like, I don't know. You'd have thought I joined some type of rebel or something. So I would say Team iPhone only because running a, a business that is um, heavily digital is really hard to do on an Android. So so that it doesn't interrupt my my workflow, I have to stay on iPhone. That makes sense. That's that's a good reason. I'll let you slide when it <laughs> I'm team Android. I try. Well, I have an iPad, but I just I just don't like their interface. So I like Android. We're going to stick with Android. So let's get into it, though. Talk to us about your journey into entrepreneurship. Okay, that's a big question to unpack. My story started when I was a teen mom at 17, um, senior year of high school. I found out I was going to be a parent. So the journey into entrepreneurship started about 
uh, seven years before I actually became a business owner. And the reason or the way that happened was when I found out I was going to be a mom, I quickly realized I had to figure out a way to take care of myself and take care of my baby. But as a kid, that young, you don't really know what you want to do yet. Most of us are like going to college and trying to figure it out. But what I did was I actually jumped straight into the workforce. I had had my first job at 13, worked at Burger King, you know, sponsorship, but shout out to Burger King. <laughs> that job taught me a ton about operations, businesses, and teams. It really did. We had a manager who you know, ran his line very bad, really badly. And because he was such a terrible manager, you know, it taught me how things are supposed to run or, or what's the opposite of a well-oiled or well-organized business. So long story short, between um, then and like 2014, I had worked in 10 or 12 different industries. Every job you could possibly think of, I had it. And that experience really showed me one thing. I, I understand how to look at the back end of a business and see the gaps that are there. I can do it in my sleep only because I have worked so many different jobs, just trying to find something to fit to help me be able to take care of my son. So in 2014, I started my coaching business, not understanding what a coaching business was or even really what the coaching industry was. <laughs> but I just knew I had some type of like gift that I could help other people do it. And I said, let me try this entrepreneurship thing because I keep hearing this is a way to be able to provide for yourself and kind of find that freedom as a parent. And so I wrote my first ebook. It was a it was an ebook that helped teen moms teach themselves and their children how to meditate so they could gain peace and work on their mindset, which is one of the things that has continuously helped me to get to the place that I am now. And so from there, you know, I always tell people after that first PayPal payment, it was on. That was it. <laughs> Once you get that payment, you're like, okay, uh -huh. I, won't do something. I can do this. Right. I like that story though, because, well, of course, a lot of times when you find out you're having a child, it, it kind of shifts your whole life. It pushes you into things that you probably would not have thought of before. But then also you talking about you learning from other people's mistakes, like what looked bad so you knew what actually to do in those cases. And then taking all of those skills that you learned in all of these different jobs, applying it to your business once you started. So can you talk a little bit, maybe somebody who just started entrepreneurship or they're looking to get into it, um, talk a little bit about using those transferable skills to start their business. That is my favorite question. Um, we just did a workshop back at the end of the summer for a for organization that, that focuses on empowering moms and at-risk youth to actually make this transition from job they may be working in, skills they may have coming out of school, and then how do you apply that to, to join the entrepreneurship field? And one of the things that I told them at that conference was, you have to realize that I'm a little biased because I'm a mom, but as moms, we master two to three or four times as many skills as someone who isn't a parent within the first year of us having our child. Reason being is we have to learn how to switch and, and multitask so quickly. There's so many things we're juggling at one time. And we think it's like second nature. You know, we think us being able to be on the go and be able to handle four or five different fires, so to speak, at a time is normal. But when you're bringing that into the business space or when you're bringing that into your career, that's a skill. That's something you could package. That's something you can describe on a resume. That's something you could pull bullet points off of it, like all of that, it, you can monetize. All of that can transfer into money. So one thing I would say is just sit down and write a list of all the skills 
that you may not even think are skills, but just think of some things you're good at doing. Think of, think of results you've gotten previous employers at jobs that you've had. Think about wins that maybe your child, maybe you did some type of homeschooling or you've done something with your kids or in sports with your kids and they exceeded at it because of uh, some type of support or coaching or something you gave to them. Just think of all the people around you, whether it's a friend, a spouse, a parent, whatever, who you supported and helped gain a result. Write it down on the list and then take a look at that and say, wow, okay, which of these would the employers be looking for? Which of these would clients pay money for? Because that's a result people don't understand on their own how to get. Yeah, that's so good. I think a lot of times we think in order to start a business or really do anything, we need like this formal education or we have to go to school. But really experience can be your best teacher. I never even thought about the day to day of motherhood as being skills that you can take into entrepreneurship or your job. But it's really true. Like we are handling a bunch of different things. And I always talk about how you have to switch gears. Um, but switch gears gracefully because it's like one minute you might be doing something for your business and then your child needs something and you have to be really mindful about how you interact with the child in that moment. So I absolutely love that. Talk a little bit about what your journey looked like once you figured out you were going to start your business and even just some encouragement for other moms and how entrepreneurship can really put you on a path to financial freedom. Yeah. And you said something that was gold. I just want to like, unpack that for a minute. When you said that we think sometimes it's about the certification, we think we have to go and get a bunch of degrees or we have to stack degrees to bring value to the marketplace. And that's not true at all. I'm a living example of that. My journey didn't consist of me going to get three or four different degrees. Other people have, and it's no shade to that. I think it's amazing. You can go and expand your education. And um, if that's your journey, that's your journey. I can just speak to the other way, which is sometimes you have to hustle differently. And, you know, for me, it was the journey of constantly growing as a as a person. Personal development has been the key to me taking this walk. And I went to multiple schools, but I didn't finish my degrees that I was going for. I didn't go back and finish for so many reasons, whether it was student loans or me being a parent. And being so young at the time, I didn't know how to balance it all. Going to school, having a, a job and taking care of my, my little one. So what I did instead on this journey was I just kept figuring out how to identify skills. And sometimes I couldn't see my own worth. I couldn't see my own value. So a big factor, and this is the encouragement piece, a big factor along this journey was having mentors around me who could help me identify skills I couldn't pull out myself. That was key. I could tell you one time I was a CNA. If you don't know, it's a um, certified nursing assistant. And I got assigned to this to this job for an older man who out helped take his medications and stuff like that for the day. But this guy was a, you'll never believe it. He retired off of owning ATMs. That's it. He just owned ATM machines that he would put into convenience stores, corner stores, you know, different locations around the neighborhood that I grew up in. And that's really how he retired. Like he was running a six, seven figure business off of ATMs. So he saw I had a little entrepreneur bug. He was like, okay, this is what you want to do? That was it. He started pouring everything he knew about marketing, about acquiring contracts, about how he would get his ATM set up. You know, he taught me about lost leaders. You give something or you give something to the client beforehand and then you gain the trust. And then that's how you do long-term business with them. Like everything before YouTube University. And that's what I mean by having a mentor who can teach you the game 
and help you pull skills out of you that you may not have seen. So learning what I learned from him, it really helped me like catapult to the business that I have today um, because that foundation I got from him and many other mentors is continuously been the thing that's changed the game for me. So that's what I focused on mentors, not degrees. And even if you do have degrees, I still think mentorship is like it's key. These people have already been through things that, you know, we're aspiring to get to and they have just this level of experience that we might not necessarily have yet or some type of insight that, like you said, can catapult us and kind of help us to skip steps. It's not saying we still won't have to put in the work, but we're getting this insight and this exposure that we would not have gotten before. And I think that exposure piece is really, really important. Like I was having this conversation um, actually with my husband the other day and he was talking about when he was younger, he just thought he was always going to be on his block like his whole life because he wasn't exposed to anything else. But then once he went into the army and then was exposed to these other things, that kind of changed his desires for his life. And it's the same thing in business. Like until you're exposed to people who actually have a six-figure business or a seven-figure business or have done X, Y, and Z that you're looking to in your business, you don't even think that it's possible, right? Like you're right. seeing all this stuff on the internet. You're like, is this really real? But when right. you get in those rooms and you have those conversations, like this is really possible for me. Um, so can you talk a little bit, you mentioned personal development. So outside of the mentors, what were some other things that you did to just develop yourself personally? Also kind of what your husband said about getting in new environments or you having to see it. A lot of times I would just put myself in rooms where I was extremely uncomfortable, like something I would absolutely never do. And, and what I mean by that, do it in a way where there's no safe. Of course, I would go on meetup or I would go on event break. I would go on websites like that. And then I would just find little events that were happening around me for entrepreneurship. So, for example, I would just go to a real estate investing class. You know, I had an interest in it, but just so I could meet or see how other people were doing. And then they would have dinners. They would have these types of events with like high level people who were investing and doing business on a higher level. And the conversations aren't even different. But one of the biggest things for me was going out to the neighborhood. Like I had never even seen some of these places where the meetings were happening. So I would go out to very upscale neighborhoods. I would go to different meetings. I would go to conferences. And when you don't have the funding sometimes and you have to do these things like for free, still go. I went to a free event one time in Philly, downtown where we're from. And Les Brown was there. The way I met Les Brown was going to a free event, putting myself in a room where I was extremely uncomfortable. I had my little business cards and, you know, I was working the room. So it, it was just a constant hunger for development, professional development, personal development. And then how do I get around conversations and how do I get around minds that are doing things at a higher level so that I can listen, I can learn, and then it'll just continuously help me elevate um, to the surrounding that's around me. So sometimes when we're in this journey, we stay around family, friends, people who aren't really doing the things we're trying to do. And it's not to look down on anybody, stay humble the whole time. But if you want to elevate, you have to go around people who are operating at a higher level, period. That's such a good point. Family, they love you, but they might not just understand. I know for me, part of what I was navigating through in my entrepreneurial journey was like just isolating myself, especially in this online space. And I'm an introvert. I'm like, oh, I could just stay behind my computer. Save it on my computer, put some posts up and not go to no events, not do anything. 
Listen, I did a whole episode about what I would do differently. And this is one of those things like you cannot operate in a silo when you are trying to run a business. So I'm so glad that you said that. But let's switch gears a little bit. We're in the mom CEO suite. We're running our businesses, but we're also moms. So talk to us about how you manage this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship. Yeah, this comes up a lot. Um, How do I manage? I really include them. Like when I say it's a family business, it's a family business to the point where I try to teach them early on boundaries. So for context, I have a I have a teenager and a toddler at the same time, pray for me, at the same time. So both of them are in extreme transitions at the same time in different points of their lives. And so one thing I try to teach both of them very early on is like boundaries. So we can have the business, we can we can do the thing that we love to do. For them, it might not be a business, it could be anything, but Every time you come to a point where you find something you love and you really want to indulge in it, that's okay, but you still have to set boundaries. And so I try to teach them that. And that's one of the things I think that helps me manage this whole life of being a mom and a CEO at the same time is, okay, have I pulled out my calendar and identified days I'm going to rest? I must have a rest day on my calendar at least once a week. That's a non-negotiable. Do I have days where I'm just taking off or I'm leaving early. We're hanging out, going to a park, taking walks. Are we doing family movie nights? Like the boundaries matter a ton. It means everything. And I think without it, I would just continuously go into burnout, which I've done many times over the years. And I realize every time I burn out, it takes three or four months to fully recover from it. I don't want to waste that much time out of the years of my life or my kid's life. So I, I prevent that by putting boundaries in place first. The rest piece, that's so important. But you mentioned burnout, and I think we hear that word a lot, but some people might not know what that looks like. So can you touch a little bit more on what that looked like for you? Like, what was going on with you that you were burnt out? So I'm what you call a high-functioning burnout. So you can be burnt out and still be going at full speed. When I say burnout, it means you feel physically tired all the time. It means you're going through the days and you don't have a moment in the days that you just feel rested or in your peace, right? You can't just be. It's something always to do or your mind is running 10,000 miles a minute and it's going faster than your body can catch up to. That's another form of high-functioning burnout. And um, for me, when I was thinking about so many different things in my mind would go faster than what I could do, it was taking me away from being present. So when I notice that I'm not really, my kids are talking to me, but I don't really hear what they're saying um, consistently. We do that, you know, going through the days. But if it's weeks and weeks and weeks going by and I'm not really involved, I can't hear what they're saying because my mind is always pulled away to something else. That's a level of burnout to me. Anything where I can't control my presence and what I pay attention to, if I can't control my thoughts or my energy, is burnout to me. And that's what it was. But I was high functioning. I would get up early. I was still go all day long, taking kids to school, picking them up, working, calls. I would still do everything. But internally, it just, I wasn't right. So did you identify the burnout yourself or did somebody else have to say, hey, you need to take a break? What prompted you to actually say, hey, I need to stop and take a break? Yeah, the first couple of times. And I think really this is, I'll be honest, I think before the term burnout was a thing, I had been experiencing this a lot throughout my life since very young. And I've watched many other women in my family do the same. I didn't even realize it was a thing. I thought it was normal. So the normality of it all made me not be able to see it. 
or not be able to realize it. So it did come to a point where I was working 14, 15, 16 hour days in my business, sun up to sundown, up all night, couldn't sleep, always on the laptop. And my husband said things many times. It definitely took a toll on our marriage. Bloomberg actually reached out about the effect that entrepreneurship has on marriages. And I said this in that interview, you know, people don't realize that when you are so committed to your business to the point where you allow it to affect your personal health, that it becomes a third party in your marriage, you, your spouse in the business. And I couldn't see that. So he was telling me I didn't hear it. But what really like, what, what was the turning point was when my oldest son, Prince, he came up to me and said, mom, you never spend time with me. You're always on the computer. I never get to really spend time with you. That's more important. And that stopped me dead in my tracks. It, it kind of made me feel like a, a failure as a mom. And that's harsh, but that's how I felt in the moment. And I was like, no, if I'm going to do this, I have to, one, think about my well-being. But two, I have to be here for, for my kids. I have to be here for them long term. So I have to do something about this. That's actually what got me to turn around and start creating new habits in my personal life. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, but I think a lot of times it does take other people to kind of step in because sometimes we can't see, like you mentioned, it's normal for us, especially in the Black community. It's just normal for us to be on the go and just have all of these responsibilities and all of this weight. Like we think it's normal, but it's really okay. not. And I'm glad you were able to get to a point where you said, no, I have to stop. I have to have these boundaries. I have to take breaks. And especially when you love what you do in your business, it sometimes doesn't feel like work, but you're still working and you're still going. I even have to catch myself sometimes because I notice my daughter, she'll be mimicking me and she right. like right. on her phone or on a computer. So I try to minimize my work time in front of her now. It's like, it's crazy how your kids can be that messenger to kind of wake you up. Absolutely. So they can become a viewer too. They can mirror. So whatever you're doing that may, you may not like or you want to change, you notice it in them. You're like, oh, no, I'm passing that on. Let me pull. Like you just said, let me pull back. So it's it's amazing um, the power we have over the people around us. And for that reason, I think we should all look at the health in our work-life balance. Such a great point. Now we're talking about resting and managing this intersection. So for you, yeah. on a day-to-day, I know every day looks different, but a day in the life of a milepreneur. Okay, so it really starts the night before. So depending on how the night before goes, it, it kind of determines the hour that I want to, to be up. But if it was an ideal perfect day, I would be up maybe like 6 a.m., 5.30, 6 a.m. And then that time when the house is quiet, that's when I like to just make my warm lemon water, um, journal. I journal a lot, prayer, just the time to kind of center myself, my mind. I'm very like mind, body, spirit connected so or I try my best to be and so that's the hour for me to do that I, I I like to not even think about work or what I have to do before 8 a.m just because if I start the morning with no obligations with no concerns with no worries I'm free to just find my peace you have to have an hour of the day where you're just in your peace and you can sit and really think. And then my oldest has to be to school um, pretty early. So once it's like 6.30 or so, we're on the road. 6.30, 6.45, we're on the road. Um, so taking him to school <clears throat> and then I'll come back. And at that point, <clears throat> I usually jump into uh, some type of 
tasks I have scheduled for the morning. And what I like to do is I have my bucket of my repeat tasks, like the repeat projects or the repeat tasks that I work on consistently throughout the business. So Monday might be CEO day, Tuesday might be content day, whatever. Wednesday might be client day. So depending on what day of the week it is, I'll focus on my my constants. We just hired a new social media manager. So right now, one of the constants that are on my calendar, that's always on my calendar, certain days of the week is to create new training, new support items for my team members. I take my team trainings just as serious as I take my content creation. And then after that, I'll do calls from maybe 10 to 11.30, coaching call, a podcast interview, maybe a sales call, something like that. Lunch is usually like 11.30 to 12.30. Lunch is non-negotiable. <laughs> Only because that's my time to decompress from whatever conversations I had in the morning, right? So especially if it's a Monday, I'm like, that's enough. I need a, a break for an hour. And so I'll, I'll go take a break, go take a walk, sit in the park sometimes and eat lunch. And then the afternoons, I try to keep it lighter in the afternoons. Um, I may have another call. I may have another conversation. Usually between like 1230 and two, uh, I'm having some type of training. If I have like any work to do and one of our project management tools, you know, whatever task I have to do in there that have been assigned to me from the team, I'll take care of those things. If I have any follow-ups to do, I usually do it in the afternoon. That's when we'll respond to emails, close any deals that we may have. Um, plan for any upcoming workshop that we may have. That's the afternoon. Then 2.30, I'm done. Reason being is 2.30 to like 7 is kids hour. Because so at 2.30, I have to get ready to go and get my get the kitchen school. My oldest is in track. So he might have a track meet, a practice. I might have to have a conversation with the coach. I'll go out there. I try to network, at least like with the moms or whatever. I'm the active soccer mom. So I try to do that. And then, you know, we'll do get ready for dinner or um, we, we might go to the park in the afternoon when all the kids are out. And then usually I try to cook early. So between four and five, I'm cooking dinner or dinner's already made because we've been meal planning lately. We'll warm up everything, have dinner about six o'clock. And then once it hits 730, eight o'clock, everyone's in bed. I love it. You know, I think part of what helps us to manage this is that there is a schedule and that there's time blocks. We've assigned the time for specific things. And I know you mentioned this on your Instagram, having those hard stops. So yep. for you, 2.30, that's it. I'm done. I have stuff to do, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so important. You mentioned the boundaries before and being able to manage it because without it, it would be chaos. It'll be total I tried to do it without it. And my business was such a mess. And I remember I had this coach one time. And she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you like? And I watched her business grow so fast. And it's not that I wanted to grow. I just wanted progress. And I was like, why can't I get to the point where I'm organized and things aren't all over the place? And she was like, well, do you have a schedule? What's your schedule? And then something else my auntie told me. She said, I don't know about you young people, but she said the old school way is schedule the kids are in bed by eight o'clock eight thirty that's your time that's your hours so taking some of those jewels and keys from other parents who have done this who have walked this world that's another thing that without it uh, I wouldn't be where I am now yeah your schedule will be your best friend like my family yes. makes fun of me because I have my daughter on a strict nap schedule she's in yes. bed at 7 30 they're like where's Skylar she's sleeping it's nap time <laughs> like again yes <laughs> 
again. Okay. But this has been good. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and just how you manage this intersection. Let us know how people can reach you. And also, if you have anything coming up, what we can look out for from you. Oh, yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. Like every time we have a conversation, it's so good. So uh, when you invited me, I just I couldn't say no. So we're everywhere. Hire great help. H-I-R-E. Great help. So Instagram, we're getting ready to start a YouTube channel, uh, Facebook, everywhere. So just follow us on all social media. And then we have um, some big events that are coming up <laughs> in the next few months. So what I would suggest is, of course, following us on social media, subscribing to our newsletter, Solopreneur to CEO. Subscribe to our newsletter so that you can get all the updates. We're putting some books out this year. We have some summits coming, big stuff. So follow us if you're interested in this in this topic and you'd like to learn more. Awesome. So make sure you guys connect with Sina. Again, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you all for joining us in the suite and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Mom CEO Suite podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do us a favor? Leave a review on iTunes and share with other moms in business like you. Help us spread our message and empower others who are at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship.